This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. We just kind of wanted to buy one that we could pay the mortgage on and maybe fix it up. We never thought that it would be something that could eventually allow me to retire earlier or you know, me to have an income once I retire from teaching. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today... We are talking about how to make money with Airbnb. According to CNBC, the average Airbnb host makes around a thousand bucks per month with their short term rental. That extra cash could potentially be a big deal for you and maybe make a sizable dent in your family's financial goals. Could hosting an Airbnb be a side hustle or a small business that's right for you? Well, to help you decide, I've invited Wendy Hill Manson on the show today. Wendy is a full-time high school teacher based in Michigan, and she's been side hustling as an Airbnb super host for the past year or so. In her first full year with short-term rentals, she made over $100,000, and that was during the pandemic. We're going to chat with Wendy today about how she got her start, how she was so successful, and some tips for others who are considering getting giving Airbnb a go. Oh, and another thing, not only is Wendy a savvy side hustling entrepreneur, but she's my sister as well. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. Absolutely. It is a joy to talk to my sister, even though we're doing it at a social distance right now during quarantine and I couldn't see you during the holidays, which stunk, but it is what it is. So Wendy, take us back. So why did you decide to get started with short-term rentals and Airbnb in the first place? My in-laws had been Airbnb at their basement for a couple years, and we noticed they were going on a couple cruises to exotic places every year. And we're like, wow, okay, you know, that's pretty cool that you guys are doing that. Pretty savvy thing to take on in your late 70s. They enjoy cooking and hosting. And so we thought, okay, that's a good fit for them. But then we thought, okay, that'd be kind of a pain in the butt to have someone be in your house. And then I visited a girlfriend of mine who re you know, she renovated her basement. She made it, she took out all that wall-to-wall carpeting that you might have in a basement when you have kid toys when the kids are younger and you want to play down there in a playroom. And she put in hardwood floors and a really nice bathroom and a sauna. And I thought, oh my God, that's so nice. I want to do that to our basement, which was, you know, kind of getting run down after being a play area. And then there's like a kitchenette area in that basement as well. And I'm like, oh crap, we don't have the money to do that. And I thought, oh, hmm, I wonder if we could maybe, you know, do that and then make the money back by making it uh, a rental. So that coupled with the fact that the boys gone in college and we were about to, you know, pay for two college tuitions at the same time daunting task and didn't know where we would get that money from. So I thought, gee, maybe I'll be able to make enough money to do the renovation, which is something that I like to do. And then also maybe make some money to help pay for college tuition because we were just paying for those bills as they came in or, you know, at the last possible moment. We were hoping we didn't have to refinance to pay for college. So I was kind of thinking this might be a good thing to do. 
that's a great motivation. Not only get to have an updated house, but you get to start a small business and help your kids get through college, which is not a small thing when you have three boys that are just a few years apart. So that can be quite a bit of money nowadays. So when you started this idea and you said to your husband, who's my awesome brother-in-law, who's also been on the show, what were his initial thoughts when you brought it up to him? You know, as most marriages are, we're kind of yin and yang. I love change. I love redecorating and I love, you know, moving the furniture around and I love, you know, things changing all the time. And he doesn't, he doesn't like change. He likes things predictable. He's pretty financially frugal. So he was not happy about the idea. The space had kind of gotten a little rundown. He was using it for years as a brewery space, half of it, the kitchenette area. And the other half, like I said, was kind of like a, you know, a carpeted area that was once where we place where we had toys. And then as the kids were teens and through high school, there was just some yucky couches down there and a big TV and video games. And so it was really gross, kind of smelly after three teens age boys had used it for years. And so I thought, oh, yes, such a gross space. But then when I, I kind of had to strike a deal with him, I said, okay, listen, I'm going to, you know, we're going to forward this money that we have saved for the next college installment, which are huge. <laughs> and I want to put this into this renovation. And I think, you know, we kind of live in a, a vacation town. I said, I think I can make the money back for the renovation. And then I think it can start making money for us for college. So he kind of said, okay, I'll let you do it. <laughs> but he was a bit skeptical, but I uh, kind of was very surprised. So we, we went for it. So talk to me about the steps that you took after that, where it was like, all right, this thing's a go. How did you start to prepare the room to become a rental? So I kind of described it already. Half of the basement was really old carpeting, like 15-year-old carpeting. And then the other half was sort of where David and his friends would brew beer and stuff for years. So there was like a linoleum tile in the kitchenette area that was gross. You know, the carpeting, like I said, just needed to be done. There was a bathroom down there with a sauna already, but the flooring was really gross and there was no heat in that bathroom. So it wasn't a really practical bathroom, especially if you were a girl that had to sit on the toilet because you'd freeze your butt off because we live in the northern climate. And so it was cold without any heat. We did basically the whole flooring of the whole space. So we had this, you know, this linoleum flooring that looks like hardwood, looks pretty, it's really durable. So it looks like there's hardwood down there in the basement. So we did the kitchen area with the same stuff as the big TV room area, which I ended up turning into a bedroom and a TV room area for the guests. And then the bathroom, we laid down heated floors, which are a really great alternative for small spaces. So we had the heated floors and the tiles are like marble tiles. And so it really upgraded the whole bathroom. I painted the cabinets in the kitchenette area. They were old cabinets from our kitchen that before we remodeled our kitchen, we put those cabinets down in the basement. That's about it. I mean, uh, investing in the furniture, we put two queen beds down there, a new TV, you know, like kind of some more modern furniture and a bookshelf. So it kind of felt more like a studio suite. I've stayed there, everybody. It does feel like a studio. It's fantastic. And it's a great rental space for your home. So talk to me about the investment side of things. You said we had to take some money from the college fund to throw it in there. How much did you invest or a roundabout? And then did you make it back? Between seven and $10,000. How long do you think it took you to make it back? Probably about two or three months. That's it. Two or three months. So you made the investment back and then you started making money from there. Yep, we did. Talk to me about the early process because you're new at this. You like redecorating. You like making the changes and things like that. But obviously there was probably some mistakes in the beginning that you were making as a new Airbnb host. So can you talk to us about some of those mistakes? 
Sure. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you're sharing your home. This is a home share situation, our first Airbnb experience that we did as a home share, as opposed to buying another home and renting out that other home or renting out like an apartment building to, to different people. And when you do a home share, there's a lot of things to consider. First off, do you want to share your living space with strangers? Airbnb and VRBO and all of those short-term rental companies do vet people, but they don't. I mean, it's just like kind of how Uber vets people, right? I mean, as long as you have a good rankings and the person that you accept has a lot of good rankings, then, you know, you're kind of (laughs) hoping that they're good people. So with that being said, you know, kind of taking that into account and making sure that you're up for that and everyone in your family is up for that. You know, I I do have one son that, you know, still is at home in high school. And so I had to be like, okay, remember that sleepover area that uh, you, you were looking forward to taking over once all your brothers were at college. That's not yours anymore so that we can pay for your college. (laughs) So he's okay with that. So communicating with your family members and making sure that everyone's game for a home share, everyone knows, you know, okay, you know, how we're going to kind of live our lives when people are sharing our home with us. The biggest mistake that I made, I would say, is noise. (laughs) The house, it was built in 1908. And I am like, like you said, a high school teacher, and I get up and go to school anywhere between like six and 630 in the morning. And, you know, wearing my school shoes on my hardwood floors above these people that are on vacation that was pretty noisy. So we learned, you know, barefoot and then put your shoes on right when you walk out the door, especially be quiet in the mornings when we're up early and the people are on vacation. Another thing is I would say sleep in the space that you have created or have someone that you trust sleep in the space that you created and they'll give you honest feedback and just try and think, okay, what would make me feel uncomfortable? It was, like I said, a basement. And so there's like half windows in the bedroom area. I don't think I had sufficient window treatments. And so someone left me, my first negative review was that there was no window coverings. And I would say also communicate with your guests. When you communicate with them, either by texting or if you greet them, say, please let me know of anything before you leave it in the review, because I'd like to correct it. And I don't want that to be something that would bring me down. There's lots of suggestions uh, on different websites on how you can word that politely so that you can basically say, Hey, if something's wrong, let me know. I want to fix it right away. I don't want that to be a reason that you give me two stars Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that'll kill you. Your whole Airbnb business, just like Uber or anything where you have stars is the reason that people book. They want to book with people that have five stars that have a lot of reviews. So no window treatments was a big one. The noise was a big one. We have a six pound Maltese poodle that can be a little yippy. <laughs> so I think just communicating instead of, you know, not telling them that there's a six pound dog that might bark, just say, listen, there's a six pound dog that might bark. Let us know. Those were the big things, I think, you know, and it just depends on your home that you're going to find different things. So if you communicate with your your guests, you'll be able to solve them. It sounds like you had a lot of learnings. You learned communication was big. You liked the process enough because you guys were making some money, even with the maybe inconveniences of having to share your home with other people. It made sense for you to continue doing it so much so that you guys decided to get another place. Is that right? Yeah, the house next door to us was for sale for many years. It's a big Victorian house that I've always loved. I have a beautiful gardens in front and architecture is just gorgeous. And it was for sale for several years. And I was like, okay, how can I buy this house? Yeah, talk <laughs> to us about that. How did you get it? I kind of tried to see 
how that would be financially possible. <laughs> okay, like I said, we couldn't even afford to make the next college payment at that time. But with the basement coming in, I was pretty secure with that being able to pay for the college tuition for the kids, especially when we had one graduate and we only had one in college at a time. That was a little bit better. But how do you buy a really big house like that when you don't have that down payment that you need? So what we did was very, very against my brother's principles no. of saving money. And <laughs> You're an investor. There's well, no, we were forget the brother principles here, man. We were podcast <laughs> and we're like, okay, yeah, we're going to pay off our mortgage. We're getting there. This is great. And we were getting really close to paying off our mortgage and following all of your rules. And then I'm like, hmm, how do we, we've almost got this mortgage paid off. And we went to the bank and refinanced our house to the maximum and took that money and used that for the 20% down. Another thing that will make my financial brother unhappy is that wasn't enough money. (laughs) You needed to have 20% down when you buy a commercial property. And when we refinanced, that wasn't, we didn't have the 20%. We were shy of the 20%. So my husband, David, (laughs) went into his 401k And we are not of the right age to take it out without penalty. So he took out that money with penalty. I think it was like a 30% penalty, which is pretty hard to swallow. (laughs) When in, I don't know, how many years? When do we get to access our 401k? In less than 10 years for sure. Yeah, I think it's 59 and a half, but I'm not sure. It might be 65. Not sure. I should probably know that. Yeah, (laughs) I I did know that. I can't remember. Anyway, so yeah, that's how we got the 20% down for that house. I'm all about doing whatever you need to do to make your your best financial life. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't grill your sister hour here. Still our goal. Still our goal to pay down all of those mortgages. It is definitely a good thing. So you ended up getting the loan through the bank. And I know it's different than getting, for people who have never done a rental property or something like that, it's different from getting just a, a mortgage for your house, right? What is the difference? The difference is you're not going to get as good of an interest rate. Your interest rate is going to be a little bit higher. Although right now, interest rates are crazy good. If you're thinking about opening a business, I know it seems like a stupid time, but it's really not. It's a good time because their interest rates are quite low right now. They were pretty low when we did it last October. And so they were pretty reasonable. I think I got like 4.5% for a business loan. So that was pretty good. And then when we refinanced our house, we were able to get a lower interest rate on the new higher mortgage. So you're going to pay a higher interest rate and you're going to need 20% down, especially if it's your first investment property. They won't give it to you without that. Even, I mean, my husband has other loans for other businesses as well, but they need that to make it a secure loan. So you ended up securing the house right next to where you live. So, I mean, that's super convenient. I'm sitting in the rental property right now, looking out the window at my house. (laughs) We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. 
If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Let's jump back into the show. Yeah, I know a lot of people who do like long distance Airbnb or or just even in the same town, but maybe 15 minutes away. Like there's got to be something to just having it right next to your house. I mean, that just seemed too good to be true, right? Especially with this older home that we've spent a lot of time renovating, there's always something. And luckily, my husband likes fixing things, he likes <laughs> solving problems, and it's just right next door to us. So we can just usually pop right over and see what the problem is. We're just getting used to it now. That's incredible. So talk <laughs> to us about the amount of work, I guess, the things that you've done to this house and how does that compare to the basement? I mean, that was just a small amount compared to what you've done now, right? Yeah, I think that basement experience kind of gave me the confidence that if you, you know, kind of put some money into something, then maybe you can get that return. The old adage takes money to make money, right? <laughs> Even if you borrow the money from somewhere else, someone else, I kind of thought, okay, what would make this space be super comfortable? I think the reason that we were able to get a really good price on this house was it was on the market for a long time because there was a quite a bit of cat piss smell in the house. <laughs> My brother just got two cats for Christmas, there we go. Yes. everybody. Yeah, we like those. <laughs> they haven't pissed in my house yet, so. Yeah, I said. Anyway, so everywhere that there was wall-to-wall carpeting, there was that horrible odor that just, you know, kind of hits you in the face. So we pulled out all the wall-to-wall carpeting and there was beautiful hardwood underneath. And we refinished the hardwood floors in the rooms that had wall-to-wall. Not all the rooms had it, but there were several. And then the basement was where I think the cat preferred to visit a lot. <laughs> I have heard and, from, from people I've interviewed on the show that the smell that you want to smell when you walk into a potential rental property is cat piss. Because it's really not that expensive to get rid of it, paint and flooring. Because it gets a bunch of people away and it's, like you said, not that expensive to take care of. Right. So we redid the floors with the same flooring that I used in the other basement renovation. We put new flooring in that basement. It had like tile flooring that wasn't that bad, but the smell had just permeated the tile. So we pulled that out and we put in that wood faux wood flooring and painted the walls with like kills, just white everything. Everything I'm doing is 
trying to get it like pure white and clean and sanitary COVID free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so that kind of got rid of the odor. I mean, the people that lived in it before the college student was here with his cat for a while, really renovated it and and brought it back to its 1898 glory. None of the woodwork was ever painted, which is very difficult to find in a Victorian home. So there was a lot of really, really cool features to the home that we did nothing. We just kind of like, hey, here's this, you know, wallpaper from the 1920s. Check it out. It's gorgeous. So it's kind of a really special place. I think if you can have a place that has a little bit of the history, but then it has modern and amenities, like the the kitchen was already redone when we bought the house. The wall color was kind of orange, which I changed to white. But other than that, it was, you know, granite countertops and brand new cook stove and everything really pretty. The home is older, but you've taken it in a way that is new and modern and fun and clean. I had a chance to stay there for a month during quarantine last April. Now this is going live in February and it was great. It's beautiful. I love the work that you've done to it. One question I had as you're talking about these updates and investments you've done. So like the basement, you guys said, hey, we're going to take some money and go in and invest it. Now, you guys probably spend a lot of money to update this place. Are you going to get to a point in the near future where that's been paid back? All of the money we put back into the house. The bathrooms weren't redone. They had like plastic showers and um, they were kind of chintzy. Well, there was one very beautiful bathroom on the main floor that was great, marble tiles and everything. So we redid bathroom upstairs and we're we're putting a, a sauna in this house as well we're in the process of doing that and another bathroom and a workout room because i think those are things that people want when they travel like i said this is a bit of a tourist town mostly in the summer because we're a northern college town the winter time is kind of scary for people to come and visit because <laughs> we get a lot of snow but that's good for people that want to play in the snow if you want a mountain bike ride or you want to ski at our ski hill so part of that being outside being near the cold is you want to come back in. And one thing that we do here is uh, we sauna. So that's, I think, a reason why I made so much money right away with my basement renovation in my other home is because we had a sauna. Because I spoke with my mother-in-law and she's like, oh no, we're kind of dead in the winter in our Airbnb rental in our basement. And I'm like, we weren't at all. We were crazy busy. And I so that's why we're putting a sauna in this house because I think that'll help during the off months. People will come hopefully year round. <laughs> Having those features is probably a big deal for Airbnbs because every other home will just kind of wash away. If you'd be like, oh, this one has a sauna. I know for my wife, whenever we're looking for a place, it's like, does that place have a hot tub? Does that place have a hot tub? <laughs> and you choose it based on the hot tub. So I, it's well, probably the same you thing. search for it, you put that in your search engine. And so you're just seeing what you want to find. So it makes a huge difference if you have those features or those special things that make it more experiential. You know, some people, or they might not even find your house if you don't have what they're looking for. How many rooms are in the house? Like what kind of home is this? This is a triplex. So the main part of the home for the rental is it's really a five bedroom, but our city ordinances, which we should talk about, our city ordinance only allows you to rent four bedroom Airbnbs. So one of the bedrooms we've made into a home office in the main rental. So in the main rental, you get three floors, the whole, basically the whole front of the house, the, the three, three floors and five bedroom, well, four bedrooms, and it will be four full baths once we finish the sauna renovation. And then there are two apartments in the back of the house, which we also, we Airbnb one of them. And then the the other apartment is a long-term renter. There's lots of space. So we have, we went from having a basement rental to having three more rentals after that, once we bought this house. 
Very cool. So if you had to look back one year ago, would it surprise you to tell yourself we're going to make $100,000 doing Airbnb rentals? (laughs) No way would I have ever thought that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I mean, we had always wanted to get a rental property. We live in a college town and we know other friends who have had rental properties and they've had success with it. And it's a good way to invest your money, especially when who knows what's going to happen with the market with this year, you know, going into cash and going into rental properties are probably a safer bet for people. And so we knew we wanted to do that. We just, life is crazy. Life goes by quickly and you find other things to spend your money on. We just really didn't find the perfect one. So we just kind of wanted to buy one that we could pay the mortgage on and maybe fix it up. That was our goal. We never thought that it would be something that we could eventually allow me to retire earlier or, you know, allow us me to have an income once I retire from teaching. So talk to us about the plans now. So you've done a big investment into the home. It's really nice and updated. And it is a place that people are clamoring to come to even during the pandemic, you guys were full. So what are your long term goals for this? And what does that mean for you and your husband? I will have 25 years of teaching in two and a half years. So I can retire if I if we can afford to do that. So the goal is to retire from teaching and then do rental properties, either short-term or long-term. Um, I just, I really enjoy fixing up homes that need it. And I really enjoy being an Airbnb hostess. So, I mean, our city has a limit on the number of Airbnbs that we can have in the city. So if I if can't get more Airbnb properties, then maybe we'll just have rentals. So we'll see. That's kind of, I like it. So we'll see. Obviously, we've talked about a lot of great things and we did talk about some lessons learned. What is maybe like your least favorite thing about doing Airbnb hosting, just so people can see both sides? I mean, the home share is tough. I, I, we stopped the home share for quite a few months so that we could not worry about tiptoeing around guests or, you know, if family wants to come visit, not worry about their children being loud. (laughs) (laughs) That would be my children. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's the hardest part. And and that's the good thing about being a short-term renter, you know, property manager is that you could choose, you can get into it maybe by sharing your space that you already have. And then you can use that money that you make from that to maybe buy a separate property so that you don't have to do the home share. It just depends on the guests. We've had some guests, the coolest people in the world that we were like, never would have met if we didn't share a home with them. And then we've had some hellish guests as well (laughs) that we won't talk about (laughs) that makes you like, okay, I'm closing it down and I'm not going to rent anymore for quite a long time. And then you kind of forget about it and realize (laughs) it's part of doing business. But I mean, my husband deals with, you know, he was a salesperson before he was in, you know, an industry, customer industry. So dealing with customers and making people happy, they pay you back with the joy that they have and the experience. So that is, is fun, but there's ups and downs with it, certainly. And we've kind of gotten numb to the problems that happen, you know, the broken toilets or the things that you deal with as a a property manager. Once you fix things that you think are difficult and super, you know, labor intensive and you're like, okay, here are the steps to do that. Once you learn how to do kind of the basic things, I mean, we've had radiators, you know, start to crack and leak and drip through the vent in the kitchen and you're like, you walk in and you freak out and it's like the stuff that you would, you know, make you want to never buy a house like this. But then you're like, okay, you just call the plumber or you turn off the water first. That's <laughs> the first thing that you do. <laughs> call the plumber and you figure it out and you, you fix it, you know, and have a fund 
I tried to have a pretty sizable separate account with can't swear on this, can I? No, you can't swear. Okay. Oh, poo poo fund. <laughs> oh, poo poo fund. <laughs> I love it. Um, where, it's, so that it's not as horrible, it's not as catastrophic. It's, it's okay, this is the cost of doing business. We have to deal with issues and problem solve. And then once you solve it and deal with it, it's kind of rewarding. <laughs> yeah, those are really good points. I, I think the last point you said really resonates with me because Nicole and I have talked about getting rental properties, and I'm always just worried about the things I got to fix when I've got kids at home and I got to go do these other things. But if you set You've it up, Nicole, what are you I know about? totally. I'm not going to fix anything. <laughs> I can't believe you put in that hot water tap thing. Like oh. I wouldn't even keep that on. It's so nice uh, that you said we, because she did it all. <laughs> yeah, she did. Uh, I, and, and David is the same way. I, I, I'm the one that calls all of the repair people and know the right people that will respond. Actually, David calls them too, but he, he likes to fix things himself. So if you have someone in your, your, your spouse or you that like to fix things, great. But that's not the end of the world. If you don't like fixing things and you hate doing things like that, I find that sometimes you might save money by having a professional do it because they'll do it quicker. They'll do it faster. They won't break things. And the time value of your money might be more to have a professional do it. So you get a list of really good people that you know that you can call when there's emergencies and that you pay them right away. So they come back right away when you call them. So it's, it's just a system that you build up. I'm feeling a theme, communication, treating people with respect, and it comes back your way as well. So I love this, Wendy. Thank you. So somebody's listening right now and they are inspired. Maybe they want to start an Airbnb. What's the first step they should take following this chat? Yeah, the first step, which is super, super important, is to make sure that you can have an Airbnb in your town. I'm on a couple Airbnb or just short-term rental Facebook groups, and there's this horror story sometimes that people post that they bought this investment property. Maybe they did what I did. You know, they found the money somehow creatively and they bought it and they're like, okay, let's go, let's start making money. And then they find by calling their zoning that they can't do that. <laughs> and then you, you, sh- you got to do your research before you buy a property. Make sure that property is okay, especially condos. Condo associations have rules and you think, oh, I just won't tell anyone. No, Z- our zoning in our city, and I'm sure other zonings in other cities go to those sites and they can see the properties that are listed there. They can find them on the map and you can't hide. You might feel like the internet is so anonymous, but it's not. So make sure that you check city zoning for us. I'm not sure if all cities are the same. They'll, they referred us to the fire department and the fire department came through and you have to have a fire inspection to have a rental property. The rental property rules are more strict for short-term rentals than they are, at least in our town, for long-term rentals. So you got to make sure that you have all of those you know, things so that you have the right barriers or whatever else the firemen usually will come and tell you that free of cost before you pay for the official inspection so that you can fix things. So I would call zoning and then I then I would call the fire department and ask if they could give you a free inspection and tell you what you need to fix before your formal inspection where you get your, your renting license. So you got to get your renting license. I would also speak to if you're doing home share and you're starting to do that to get your foot into the door of short-term rentals, then you need to call your insurance agent and make sure that they know that you're doing that and that you have strangers in your home coming in and out of your house. And so you just get a rider on your insurance for that. Gosh, there's so much. There is. Well, we don't want to overwhelm people. We just want to give them that first step. But I think that is fantastic to say, make sure you can actually do Airbnb before you plunge in and make the investment. I can't imagine. I'm sure it sounds like that's a frequent thing that's happening. So even outside of contacting the local community leaders, 
could you just like go on the Airbnb website and see if other rentals are happening where you live? Oh, sure. You could do that. But like I said, there are people that try and do short-term rentals illegally. But if there's a ton, you might not want to do it, right? If there's already a lot and the market is saturated. So yeah, that would be a really good idea to check the sites, make sure there are, if there aren't any. But I, I know of certain cities where maybe, you know, people put vague addresses and uh, they hope to not get caught and things like that. So yeah, I guess you could check the site and see that too. But I think the best bet would be to, to just call your city zoning office and they'll help you with all of that. And I would say get a good team. Like I said before, I have a, I've built up a good team of, you know, plumbers, electricians, cleaning staff is huge. Make sure that you have more than one cleaning person, especially if you can't clean, if it's not, if this isn't your main job. Like I, like I said, I'm a teacher and my husband runs his business. So I need that cleaning staff to, to flip the spaces. And it's a great thing that you could maybe train someone on. I do a lot of it in the summer when I'm not teaching, but when I'm busy, I can't think about this business at all. I got to focus 100% on being a teacher. These are great tips. And if people are considering it, this is a great story to not only inspire you, but to see the possibility and also kind of starting small. I think that's a big part of the conversation Wendy and I had here is that, hey, let me just try it in our own house, in our own space. And worst case scenario, we've dumped some money into our own home and paid back that investment. And, and really, as you're two to three months into your investment into the basement, you guys could have called it quits there and you had had an updated basement. Right, exactly. We could have <laughs> after yeah after four months and we would have paid the, for that renovation and been like okay that's not for us or conversely I mean there are times where I, I, I pulled the basement off the market for you know many many months because uh, whatever my all my kids came back <laughs> because of COVID you know so there so it is gives you flexibility it's not like you always have to have it on the market Absolutely. Well, if people want to follow your journey, I know you're a big on Instagram or maybe they want to rent the onion tower. Where should they go? Where's the best place for them to find more information about you? If you just Google search Hewitt Onion Tower, it's such a unique name that that will probably give you a list of the links to find our Facebook page to follow. I kind of post a lot of our adventures on our renovations that we've been doing, especially since we've been closed most recently during COVID. I post a lot of renovations. So if you like home renovations, even if you're not thinking about renting or uh, doing an Airbnb and you, you want to see what this what we've been doing with this Victorian home, you can check out that Facebook page. It's Hewitt Onion Tower on Facebook. Also Hewitt Onion Tower on Instagram. And then if you Google search Hewitt Onion Tower, our Airbnb listing will come up for that as well as we listed on VRBO as well. Absolutely. Well, Marquette, Michigan is one of our favorite places to visit in the world because, well, mostly because you're there, but we also just love the nature, being able to go outside and enjoy parks and hiking and their beautiful beaches. So if you guys are looking for a great place to stay, consider it and tell them Andy sent you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wendy, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you sharing the story. Thanks for having me, Andy. Well, I will tell you, my friends, life is good when you can combine an incredibly successful financial story with someone that I absolutely love with all of my heart. <laughs> I'm so happy to have been able to celebrate my sister's success with you all today. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Wendy Hill Manson. Number one, do your research first. Evidently, it's not as simple as just 
outfitting your home for short-term rental use how you want. According to Wendy, it was important for her and many others that she's come across in the Airbnb community to check with your city zoning laws first. The last thing you want to do is throw down a bunch of cash to update your place for Airbnb rental use and you can't actually legally do it, right? (laughs) Also, it sounds like chatting with your insurance agent to understand the ramifications of short-term rental use is a smart move as well. Those are just two quick points. Wendy had a bunch more and you are going to find out a bunch more by doing your research first. This can be an excellent way to bring in more money but it has to be done correctly or it'll be more of a pain for you than a benefit for you. Number two, start small and slow. If you decide to take the plunge into Airbnb, I like Wendy's example of starting small. She started with her basement area and transformed it into a livable and enjoyable rental, started to get some great feedback, learned a whole lot about what it means to be a good host and areas for her to improve so that she could earn and maintain that Airbnb super host status. Evidently, that is gold when it comes to Airbnb. So start small, learn, and then if you want to, we go to number three. Number three, ladder up when you feel comfortable. So yeah, you get start small, you ladder up. If you decide that you like being a host and the financials are working in your favor, consider laddering up to another rental. In Wendy's case, they went from one room to a whole other house. (laughs) So that was quite a leap. But conveniently, it was next door. So when you've honed your skills as that super host, use those same methods and processes to make the next rental a lot easier. I'm assuming, because I've never done rentals before, this would be the same thing whether you're doing short-term rentals or full-time rentals, right, or or full rentals. You learn the skills, and then you start to build up from there. And in Wendy's case, it's been a life-changing experience for her and her family. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing our show today and for Alec Collins and Dan Hines for putting together our YouTube videos. That YouTube channel is growing. If you guys like to check me out on video interviewing these great guests, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash YouTube and check them out. Please hit the subscribe button and support this small business of mine. Before we go for the day, I want to encourage you to join our Thriving Families Facebook community. It is for the price of free, (laughs) and it's got a thousand other family members in there. That's what we call ourselves, the family members, and we help each other thrive. And we're throwing out information like, you know, advice and wins, and we even have a section on Wednesdays that is for small business growth. So you've got a small business, you've got an online gig or a business that you're trying to grow, you can throw information in there and we're all supporting each other grow. One cool thing, like we mentioned, is the ability to celebrate wins. And we had this great win from Abiola recently, and I want to share it with you. Here's what she said. We are 100% debt free. I feel free 
Last year, we made the decision to pay off the mortgage on our primary home 25 years and three months early. Yesterday, we paid off the mortgage on our rental 28 years and nine months early. Now, our income outside of our W-2 exceeds our monthly expenses. I'm going to read that again. Now, our income outside of our W-2, their full-time jobs, exceeds their monthly expenses. Wow. We look forward to years of investing and other endeavors ahead of us. We wouldn't have done this if we didn't find all you amazing money people on the internet. Thank you. Wow. That is awesome. That is like life goals right there. (laughs) Way to go, Abiola. That is so cool. Can you imagine making enough money outside of your full-time jobs to cover your monthly expenses? That just blows my mind, that concept. (laughs) Can I get a round of applause for our friend Abiola, please? All right, way to go. Very, very cool, very inspiring. If you want to get inspired by others in our group and be held accountable for your big goals, these huge goals, please join us at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. Again, this is a free group, and we are holding each other accountable to those big goals. We would love to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Seneca. It's not because things are difficult that we dare not venture. It's because we dare not venture that they are difficult. Dream big, prepare, and push forward, everyone. Carpe diem. (laughs) 